Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. One of the things that God has recently put in my heart is very key into the type of relationship that we do have with God. We know God to be our Father. We know God to be the heavenly God. We know Him to be the creator of everything, even us. We know God has formed us. He has molded us and He continues to shape us. But then there is something that also Jesus Christ just a few hours before being crucified, just a few hours before going onto the cross, something that he really wanted to imprint onto his disciples' hearts, something that was really dear to him because not only he was a legacy he wanted to leave, but it was really something that he felt needed to be given to the disciples so that they could be equipped in terms of how the church will be progressing. Now, that type of relationship is not often spoken about, but it's called friendship. Now, the title this morning is called Friends of the King, for those who want to note it, Friends of the King. And why am I saying that it is a particular type of relationship which is not talked about? How many of us in this room today feel that they do have friends? How many? Right. So, how many of us today feel that... Jesus Christ is their friend. A bit more hands. Okay. So between the first question and the second question, there are more hands raised. And I think that is extremely true for Christians that we don't necessarily feel that we are friends around us, but then we all recognize Jesus Christ as our friend. How many of us, can you raise your hand, are friends in this church? Wow, that's impressive. Friends in this church. So that's more hands. So the third question brings into, um, portrays a little bit something that we have friends among ourselves. Let me tell you something that is quite important here. Many of those coming to church are driven not because the pastor is handsome, not because the message is the message according to the Bible is with power and authority, not because the worship is the worship that makes people jump and say hallelujah, not because the facilities are top-notch facilities. They come and they stay in churches because of friendship. Many people within the first three to four weeks coming to church, not finding friends, have a likelihood to go back and not to come again. Many people come and feel that they are anchored to a church because of friends. The reverse is also true. Many people feel discouraged to leave a church because they will leave their friends in the church. Now, Jesus Christ coming and telling us, look, today I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends, is because... He's done so much for us. He wants to elevate us from a state of servanthood, which ultimately we still are, we are the servant of the king, to a place where he can put his arm around us, a shoulder and a hand of a friend to help us through life. He recognized the fact that that relationship is a progressive relationship. So... It's interesting to know when our dear sister came earlier reading about John 17, knowing that Christ was going to be crucified, but yet he was lifting into the hands of the Father 
the disciples. Christ is always having us in his mind. Today, if you feel you are not valued by friends, you need to remember you are valued by God, the greatest friend of all. Today, if you have shortcomings in any type of friendship, remember that God is looking at you as the closest friends he wants to have. And today we want to dissect what does friendship, why is Christ talking about the friendship? Why does he want people to understand that they are friends to him? Why does, does Christ, the almighty king, the one who is above, the one who is everywhere, comes down to earth just a couple of hours, a few hours before his death, and say, hey, I no longer call you servant. You are friend. There is a secret into that. No church can progress without being motivated by friendship. No friendship can be built without love. No love can exist without Christ. That's the relationship that we need to make. And today we remember that John is also talking at the beginning that love is Christ. That's the name that Christ is known by. Nobody in this world will tell us that, look, we can be friends if there is no love. In fact, that's where there is a disconnect between friendship in the world versus friendship in the Christendom. Let's open the scripture and see what God is saying. So we look at John 15, and I want to read from 12 to 17. I believe it is on the screen. Reading for those who are listening. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Amen. But I have called you friends. For all things that I hear, that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I commend you, that you may love one another. Amen. So for Christian, I believe friendship should really be the pillar of what we do. Friendship with Christ Jesus should be the pillar of what we do. Christ Jesus should be at the center of every single thing we do. But then, you see, the way I want to break it down today for you is you probably, each and every one of you, I said, who are friends and many people raise their hands. Now, if you look at your relationship with your friend or your friends, you will find out that they tend to be a give and take relationship. They tend to be that kind of relationship sometimes that is motivated by one thing or the other. In the world, it can be motivated by wealth. We get along because we are from the same background, wealthy, wealthy backgrounds, or because maybe one is interested in the money, the other has, but they still call themselves friends. Sometimes it's by fame. In fact, in the X factor that is about to start, many of the groups are coming together. It's first of all an individualistic mind where everybody wants to succeed. And then one is not singing too well, the other is singing so-so, and they put them together to form a boys' band or a girls' band. They expect to create a friendship within them so that they can progress. Those who cannot be friends will fail awfully because they will not even be in harmony when they sing. 
they will not want to do the same thing, and they will make sure that their differences come to the fore. Sometimes it's because of influence. Sometimes it's because of any other things. But with Christ Jesus, we know that we have the core value of love. And that's why looking at your friends today, you should look at each and every one of your friends as a God-given opportunity. A person that God has put in your path so that you can transform that person in the likeness of Christ. So that you can distill the fruits of the Spirit in you into that person's life. So that you can be an encourager to that person. So that you can stand with that person hand by hand. So that you can drive towards godliness, righteousness, love. So that you can support this person always. Are we all doing that? I don't think so. Some people call me friend and I think, well, you know what, JL is a very bad friend. Doesn't call me, doesn't email me, doesn't remember my birthday, doesn't give me gift. In fact, he's never there for me. Other people say, oh, yes, I like the fact that he encourages me. I like the fact that he can be on his knees for me. I like the fact that he lifts up my hands when I'm down. Ask Moses and Aaron the power of having hands lifted up. You know, I like the fact that it gives me godly advice. The wicked, the Bible says, God gives advice that are ungodly and that are to one's perdition. Christ is articulating the fact that love is the backbone of every single thing that we do. There are certain values in friendship that we need to understand. The first one is love. And I think the Proverbs 17, 17 extracted properly. Love 1717, for those, yeah? You see, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. That friend that loves at all times, it loves irrespective of the season. He loves irrespective of your outlook. It loves or he loves irrespective of your actions. He loves at all times. I think that's very important. Love is one of the core values. Trust. Trust, if we look at Proverbs 26, is talking about the fact that many will say they are loyal friends. Who can find one who is truly reliable? Who can find somebody that you can really trust? Who can find somebody who has this attribute that is trustworthiness? There are very few. Do you know why in the whole of the Bible... It's only to one man that the Bible recalled this person was called the friend of God. There are so many characters in the Bible, yet Abraham is the only one the Bible refers as the friend of God. Why? Have you ever asked yourself why is Abraham the friend of God? It's because of obedience. Right? In the friendship, traditional friendship, you don't look at obedience. In fact, I am who I am, I do what I want, and you haven't told to, you haven't got to tell me anything to do. Right? The difference in our relationship with Christ, we never should forget that first of all, he's our master, he's our maker, he's our savior. We should never forget that. So it's not, it's an atypical relationship. It's not the relationship of you are my friend, I am my friend, and that's fine. We are all pali pali. He's first of all our master. Then we are servant, and then we are translated into friendship. Into that friendship, we need to obey. We need to obey. And God articulated very clearly in the book of John. Don't call me Lord if you do not do what I want you to do. 
Don't call me Lord if I can't be Lord in your life. If you can't obey my commandments, it's not anybody that is my commandment. And Abraham knew God. And Abraham was keen to sacrifice for God. And Abraham was obedient even to the point of sacrificing his own son at the very last minute, ready to perform the act of sacrifice. He only thought about God, not about his son. And the Bible says for that reason, he was called the friend of God. For the reason that he obeyed. Christ Jesus is the perfect example of that obedience which he wants us to have. Because he obeyed his father to the point of death. He obeyed his father for people who did not like him. So today I want to ask you very quickly, before even we move, what type of friends are we to Jesus Christ? What type of friends are we to the king of kings, to the one who saved us? Are we friends who turn up once in a while? Are we friends who refuse to obey? Are we friends who find it easy to tell him what to do for us and never be ready to do anything for the king? Are we friends who always find excuses when it comes to serving the master? Or are we friends who are actually abiding in him and letting him abide in us? What type of friends are we to Jesus Christ? Is a question that is relevant, and that's why Christ is asking it a few hours before his death. Because if we are unable to be the friends of God, you know, we are unable to carry out his instruction. If at the point that he's leaving this, heart, this, this earth and he knows that the disciples, less Judas, have been following him faithfully, lacking understanding from time to time, but still following him, he has prepared them. He has invested in them. He sacrificed. He's given them power to heal, the power to do so many signs and wonders. That God knows that he was about to die. And say, all what I care about is that you be friends with one another. Now, I've asked you, how many of you are friends in this church? Because we are the church, right? We are the one that Christ has invested in so that we can build the church. It's not just to say hi to somebody on Sunday. It's just to find out about how that person is doing on the Monday, the Tuesday, and the Wednesday, and so forth. It's not just smiling at somebody without being genuinely interested in the life of this person. In fact, there are people I speak to every day, and I'm guilty of it, hands up. And I don't know if they are children. I don't know if they are married, if they are divorced. I don't know what are their struggles. I don't know if they have eaten today. But we are on Sunday, happy, clappy. Christ is saying, leave the happy, clappy, and become a friend to one another. Because by becoming friend to one another, you are fostering unity. It's not spoken in, about in John 15, about unity. But it's fostering the unity, that which is a big driver, a big motor for advancement, for the things of God. For seeing the power of God fall down on people. For seeing people set free. For seeing people moving with signs and wonders. For seeing miracles. It cannot happen if there is no love. And that's why the first commandment in that scripture is, guess what? A new commandment. He say, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Now we understand. Look at verse 17. These things I command you, that you love one another. In between all these verses, yes, he's bringing us from slave to friends, but there is love. That's these preeminent in the art of Christ. 
Now, I want to ask you something very, very quickly. The friends that you haven't spoken to for a while, I won't say for five years, let's just say for a while, are you still friends with that person? Many people, including me, say, well, I have a very good friend, you know. We don't speak every time, you know, but every time we speak, we have fun. Every time we speak, we share things. But then it just so happened that it's every 15 months. Now, is that true friendship or is that assumed friendship? How can I know what he's doing, how he's doing for these 15 months? Because of a 15 minutes conversation? I bought some Lubara called Canada, called Africa, called everywhere. How are you doing? I'm good, bro. That's fine. And that's enough. He doesn't tell me even part of the story. He doesn't tell me if he's sitting his exams, how well he's doing, if he's struggling with his life, with his health. Then why is God putting me in the life of that person? Only for me to remember when he doesn't show up when I need him. Actually, we are quite good at it. He didn't show up. He didn't call me. And he's not my friend anymore. The boys' band of the X Factor, <laughs> when they are not getting what they want out of these boys, they leave it. You know? Friendship is, we, we don't have to force it. We either get along or we don't get along. And if we don't get along, everybody takes their way. Now, that's not the message of Christ, and that's why it's different. You know there are people who are very difficult to love? You know they sit next to each and every one of you right now in this church? You know there are people who are good with their mouth, and they can say things that shock and hurt and harm you? Christ is telling you, disregard it. Because of my love. Because of that agape love. Right? Is a love that does not look at people's shortcomings. Look, let's open to 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read uh, the, the, the 1 Corinthians 13 in a different light. I know I haven't given the scripture um, to, to the death, but if you have your Bibles, I want us to open to 1 Corinthians 13. Because we are talking about love here, you know. We are talking about Christ who is going. We are talking about the legacy is living. We are talking about Christ who wants the best for his children and for the church. He's saying a commandment that you love one another. Now, let's look at this. I will replace the word love by friendship. And I think it will make even more the sense for you. And I'll take from verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. We say friendship suffers long and is kind. Right. Are we kind to our friends daily or sporadically? Friendship does not envy. Wow, jealousy. My friend has got a new house. I've been trying to be on the mortgage ladder for 15, 20 years. And then we no longer become friends because obviously we haven't got the same problems. No, it does not envy. Friendship does not envy. In fact, it rejoices in good, right? Friendship does not parade itself. Ask the teenagers when they've just got a new iPhone 6. Why are we talking about iPhone 6 every time? A new iPhone, right? They will show to each and every one of their friends. So they have the latest gadget and everybody feels good about that. That gadget is no way beneficial if it is not used to call the friends. That gadget is in no way beneficial if it's not used to actually send text messages that are encouraging for one another. But yet we've got the latest gizmo and we feel good about it. We shouldn't parade it because it is what we do with it that matters to God, not whether we have the latest in thing. Right? You see, love, and let's replace again, friendship is not puffed off. It does not behave rudely. I'm your friend, but I tell you whatever is on my mind. I'm your friend, but I don't care about what I say to you. It hurts you. It harms you. I don't care because I just feel like telling it. Anyway, if you are my friend, you should be able to take it in. No. No, no, no. 
That's not the Christ-like model. He said does not behave rudely. He does not seek his own selfishness as no way in friendship. He's not provoked. Wow. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Do you know truth and truthfulness? Being truthful to someone today, even as ministers of God, is one of the most hard things to do. Because we have to be mindful on scheduling people, their sensitivities, the way they are going through, through life. It can have some rough edges. But God asks us to tell the truth. He says, in fact, the truth shall set you free. The truth is what can equip somebody and can help somebody to actually change for the better. Right? The Bible says that unless we look at ourselves in our mirror and in the mirror of the word of God, we cannot see the truth about us. So the reality today is that if you have a friend, and that's the least I expect from my friends, is to tell me the truth. Let me tell you something. When I came to this country and studied, I came as a foreign student um, from uh, Normandy in France, took a year out, came to Southampton. Then my English, I mean, I'm still very, you know, it's not, it's not as Polish as it should, but it was even worse, so think about that. And um, I was with Spanish friends, with friends from Greece and everything. Nobody was English-speaking, and we all find each other and try to muscle something that sounds like English, right? <laughs> Until I found somebody who actually was a native of the land. And then when he speaks, I could difficulty hear at first. But that person truly helped us. Helped me tremendously with my vocabulary, with the way to pronounce things. In fact, Newcastle today, I said that, I was saying Newcastle. That's the way I used to pronounce it. But that friend will tell me, no, that's not the way. You don't pronounce it like this. You are going to be a laughing stock. You don't do that. You cut it off, Newcastle. I said, okay. I get it now. That friend was able to tell me the truth. You know, somebody with a body odor after sport, like exercise and everything, is good to get fit, right? Don't translate that body odor into the office where everybody is actually <laughs> fresh with perfume and everything. They will look at you. You will, fog, will, you will be sorry you've come to work. But there are people who have body odor sometimes. It's natural. It can, it's, it can be part of the way the person is. Nothing wrong with it, right? But for a true friend to come and say, you know what? I think you can do a little bit with that Tesco perfume, as opposed to the DKNY perfume. But anyway, use some perfume. That person will value that more, because then he will not be a laughingstock when he goes to people. Right? If somebody is actually always angry at things, somebody has a problem of anger, as a friend, I should be able to tell my friend, why are you always angry? Shouldn't be angry. Try to get anger out of your system. Because that will help the person in his relationship with others. I stand as a friend to say the truth. Christ has told me the truth. Christ told me I was a sinner. Christ told me I didn't deserve anything from him. Christ told me it's by grace that I've been saved. It's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm holier than thou. It's just because of the love of Christ. I should be able to tell the truth to my friends. If I have shortcomings and I'm not calling people, I want my friend to tell me, look, you are my friend, but I want you to call me more. I want you to stand up for me. I want, and I say, okay, sorry. Then I will say sorry. But not sorry to say, you know what, I've heard you, move on. Sorry to change. Right? Sorry to change. God wants us to be able to say the truth to one another. He says, love bears, or friendship bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
friendship never fails. Friendship in the eyes of God never fails. Christ did not fail us in his friendship. He never failed us. He has always been there for us. He's always there for us. He said, how much do you want me? I'm there for you. And he's about to go and tell his disciples, you know what? Be friend to one another. So I just want to articulate it today that irrespective of the way we feel about our friends, there is still a key requirement from Christ Jesus around how we should handle that friendship. I said earlier that friendship will help the church go forward as long as it is based on Christian value. When there is no friendship based on Christian value, we open the door to so many kind of issues within the church. That can become unmanageable, and that can become a territory for the enemy to continue to hammer us. The battle is rife, but we believe in Christ Jesus, and we are moving on, we are pressing on. We need to go together as one family in unity, because God sees us as one family. He sees you within kings individually as a friend, but he sees us as one family. He sees this church with the other church as one church, the church of God for the advancement of the kingdom of God, right? So we need to move forward. It can be a big strength for us. The caliber of the actors that we are in that friendship is also important because if, as opposed to be built by the friendship, you are let down, by people, you will remember that Christ is asking you to overcome, and he has given you the power to overcome. He's asking you not to look at people's shortcomings. He's asking you to even edify one another. How much have you edified the person that sits next to you? In fact, do you know the name of the person that sits next to you? Do you know that person very well? Do you really want to know that person? You may not want to. You know, I see people are sometimes difficult to love. But Christ loved us all, and we are even more difficult to love than the person we think is more difficult to love. We ourselves are difficult. We want to talk about this caliber of Christians that understand what Christ has done for them. We want to be about a caliber of Christians that always go to the source of life, to the source of friendship, to the source of love, to be able to be driven and deliver according to Christ's expectation. I put deliver because there is an element that we've got to do it. Christ is not going to do it for us. He's given us a comment that we love one another, and he's telling us, you know what? You were slaves before. You are still slaves today, but you were slaves in terms of, I'm the master, I've redeemed you, and... Because of that, you were servants. Look at the disciples and Jesus Christ. They've always had an attitude of servanthood. They didn't always understand the Messiah, but they were servants. Now, this servanthood translated into friendship is exactly what has helped King David and Jonathan. Just an example of that. It's a specific story in the Bible about the love between two individuals. And Jonathan loved David even more than his own soul. Jonathan loved David when Saul was chasing David. He was the one who was actually a shield for his friend. He was the one trying to get understanding on how his dad, what are the feelings, the true feelings of his dad towards David, and goes and tells David. Gives him sign, shoots three arrows to say, if you see that that way, and I shot his father, then you know you need to run away from my dad. Otherwise, you will be probably killed. How many of us, the Bible tells us in the same story that we should be able to lay down our life for our friends. What does he mean? How does that translate? It translates in terms of sacrifice. Christ is the example of that sacrifice. He continually did it for us. He sacrificed his own life. 
But then the sacrifice sometimes we are asking is not necessarily money. It's not necessarily time. It's money, time, ability, and support, and care all together in one package. Not once in the blue moon, 24-7. We need to be able to sacrifice. It doesn't come with a mindset. It comes with something deep down in the heart. It comes with understanding in the head. And it comes with action through our hands. Right? It makes a big difference to want to sacrifice for our friends. Right? That's the way agape love is translated through the Christians. Through that sacrifice. Amen. We want to talk about your relationship? Think about a relationship that has gone sour. And then look back on why it has gone sour. You'll find out that some of the key ingredients lacked. Or maybe it was never a true relationship. It doesn't matter. Every single time that we breathe, we have the opportunity to make things better in Christ Jesus. Every single time that we shake somebody's hand, we have the opportunity to be praying for that person. Every time we are in somebody's path, we have the opportunity to be a cornerstone, a roundabout, a roundabout for a good direction for that person. It is very important that we do not look at our lives in isolation to what God wants to do. We are part of God's plan, and the way to get from A to B in God's kingdom is to obey, is to be friends with one another, is to go forward and press on, is to disregard our own our own shortcomings is to disregard the fact that we are not perfect. Let's not try to be perfect friends. Let's just try to be friends. Perfect friends, as I said, there were so many people in the Bible who were good friends. Naomi could be said to be a friend of Ruth and vice versa. But then the Bible is not looking at them as friends. David and Jonathan had just mentioned that. Paul, how many of his friends is he talking about? Priscilla, Aquila, Tikichus. Or teachers, I've forgotten how to pronounce it again. You know, all these people who have helped Paul in the planting of the churches. And that he recommends greatly. You know, one of the things that amazes me the most is the story of Onesimus. Onesimus was somebody who left and left Philemon. He left having robbed from his master. He left and got saved along the way when he got into meeting with Paul. But then Paul sent him back. And he says, our dear brother is returning to you. Anything that you have, anything that he owes you, please put it on my account. Wow. Put it on my account. Whatever my friend wants, put it on my account. Whatever I need to do to support that friend, I will take it on my account. I will not look, you know what? Okay, I can't help you, Phil, I'm sorry. Can you please speak to Emma? Emma, can you help him? Because I don't want to help him. Not that I can't. I don't want to help him. Sometimes it's not that we can't. It's we are not prepared to. But he goes back from a slave to a brother, Onesimus. We came back from perdition, people who didn't know God. We came back from that stage to the stage of friendship with God. In fact, we can do high five with Jesus Christ. Yeah, we can. He's our friend. We can do high five, mate. (laughs) Yeah. Surprises you? We can. We've been given that status. Now I'm talking about status. Friendship is not just by name. It's not just a status. It's more than that. How many people do you spend eight hours, nine hours, ten hours a day without these people being your friend? 
is not the length of time you spend with people that dictate or demonstrate that you are friends to them. It is not. It's the quality of your input and their input in your relationship that makes you say you are a friend. It's the seed that they sow, the seed that this relationship reaps that makes you know that truly I'm investing and I'm reaping and I'm actually moving with that person as friend. So we don't move as two, we move as one before God. It's not the, the time. I spend eight hours, nine hours a day, ten hours with my colleagues. It's not because we go to the pub together, we are friends. We can laugh about certain things, we can do certain things, but friendship is more than that. Friendship is more than exchanging email addresses and phone contact numbers. Friendship is more than sending a 165 watt tweets or Facebook status update. Oh, I like your new job, congratulations. No, it's more than that. It's more than actually, oh, I like the way you dress. It's more than, how are you today? It's much more than that. If it was, how are you today, the church will never have progressed from the time Jesus Christ left. Because it is a call to action. That's what friendship is, a call to action. A call for a long-lasting relationship, not a temporary one. And many of us have temporary relationships, and that's what today we, we have this saying, oh, he used to be a friend. She used to be a friend. Because he was short-lived. Because along the line, there's been many disappointments and hurts and pains. Or disinterest. Simply disinterest. If Christ gets disinterested in me, then I have no reason to exist. If Christ does not know me by name, does not know any hair accounted on my head, if Christ is not mindful of me, if he's not saying that he has planned for me to give me a future and a hope, then I have no reason to exist. Because everything is in Christ and through Christ and for Christ. That's the way the Bible tells us. And therefore, if I want to be a true friend of Jesus Christ, I need first of all to recognize A, that he's a special friend to the point that he died for us. I need to recognize that he told us in John 14 that he goes and prepares a place for me. He's not just going to prepare any place. He's going to prepare a place in eternity for me, a place where there will, have, there will be a special mention for me, me, because he knows me and he loves me. I need to remember that Christ wants me to remain with him always. You know, that's what he says in John 14, 3. He says, that where I am, am, you may be also. That's the purpose of that friendship. That Christ is taking us along with him. Not only on this journey on earth, but beyond it. He's taking us with him. He's somebody who also reveals secrets. Can we just go back, please, to um, the scripture of today? And then let's see how Christ reveals secrets. Because if we look at the fact that he says... I did not, verse 16, right? He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever we ask the Father, you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. But just actually before that, going back to the core of the verse today, he said, no longer you are servant, but I called you friends. Why? Because he reveals things to us. What has Christ revealed to you and I? He's revealed that secret place where he's going. He's revealed how to get there. I am the way and the truth. I am the life. 
That's only through me that you can come to life. He's revealed that. Many people still don't understand that today. Many people don't understand Jesus Christ is the way. And that's the reason why they are unsaved. We become friends of God only because we've been saved. Remember that. Those who are not saved are unfriendly. They are in enmity with God. In fact, the Bible tells us that friendship with the world, with value, world value, world system, that is removing Christ from it, is enmity with God. We are the friends of God because we have been saved, because he brought us into his light, from darkness to light, so that we can progress together with him into that special place. It's a big treasure. It's a big ask. That is a big thing that he did, and we should never forget that. And now if I want to be a faithful friend to that master, if I want to be somebody who says, Christ, I'm here, you can count on me, then I need to be faithful to him. Then I need to obey him. Because if I do not obey, there is no point. He cannot use me for assignments that are furthering his kingdom. He cannot not use me in the life of other people. He cannot use me as a worker in the church. He cannot use me for good works. He cannot use me if I'm not prepared. How do you get prepared? By getting close. He said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Don't go for run away from me. It doesn't make sense. We are friends. Let's get tight. Let's get tight together. Let's get close to each other. And I've already given it to you. So I'm just waiting for you. So what he's saying, the onus is on us. Two words, onus, actually three words, onus in one, on, the second, us. They spell the same way. The onus is on us to be closer to God. It's not Christ who is going to say, hey, come close to me. I can't tell my son Arisha to come close when he says, no, I can't do anything. I have to beg him. But for Christ, he's different. He's given it all. There is no greater proof. He's laid his life for us. That's why he can call us friend. And that's why we should recognize that he's friend. Now, what are the proof of friendship that Christ has given us? Let's look at the story of Lazarus. The Bible recalls that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, siblings, were friends of Jesus Christ. They were the friends of Jesus Christ, but then Lazarus died. Then Martha comes to Christ and says, Christ, she says, Jehovah, Jesus, the one whom you love is dead. The one whom you love is dead. One of the key scriptures in the Bible and one of the shortest ever scriptures in the Bible is from the verse 35 in that scripture. It says, Jesus wept. And if you look at verse 36, the Bible recalls that really the Jews looked around and they say, oh, he loved him. Why did they say that? Because they saw tears? Because they saw his countenance change? Because he wept? Jesus wept for each and every one of us. Jesus weeps for mankind. He has us in his heart, always. He had from the beginning, and that's why he fulfilled his assignment with success. And that's why he's calling us to come closer to him. Because he weeps, because he longs for us, because he longs for our togetherness. He can give us as many hugs as we want. He can wash, wash us and wipe us. Wipe our tears as many times. He doesn't get tired of doing that. A true friend will do that for you. A true friend will not look at your weaknesses, your infirmities. You fall, you run the race of life, you fall because there are trials, there are challenges, because there are so many things difficult. Christ looks always at you. 
Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. That's fine. Get up. Come on, carry on. A bit more energy. Okay, let this word encourage you. Let this word give this word. Let let your destiny change. Because I'm going to send angels just to carry you through. He's done it for Daniel. He's He's done it for everybody. And he continues to do it. But then we need to respond. All right? Christ Jesus loves us so much. You know, Jesus wept for Lazarus. He wept. I mean, this is Christ. This is the Savior. This is the King of Kings. Weeping for one soul. For one soul. For you and I, he weeps every day. When we offend him, he weeps for us. He weeps for us because he loves us to bits. Okay, who do you love the most? Think about that. Your husband, your wife, your children. Who? Your parents? Christ loves us. Okay, Christ loves you. It means a lot. It means that you've got the duty to respond. You cannot blank it out. (laughs) There is no sunshade that will remove that love. There is no thickness that will hide that love. The light and the love and the radiance of that love, you can't hide it from, from your eyes. It's evident. Yeah? So we need to respond. And when he weeps from Lazarus, then he goes and he says to his disciple, let's go, let's go, let's go. Our friend is sleeping. And the disciples don't understand and say, well, he can wake up himself, right? If he sleeps, he can come out of his sleep. And just say, no, Lazarus is dead. And it all goes, and, and, and then we know when he comes and tells them the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He brings him up, and Lazarus is alive. Christ is the resurrection and the life in our life. He brought us up. He gave everything for us. He gave up his kingdom. He gave up his glory. He gave up everything just for you and I because he was a friend. Now, in what kind of friends we want to be for Jesus, we will certainly not be the perfect friends. We need to be the dependable friends. There is, there is beauty in dependability. Somebody who can be dependable is somebody that we can actually rely on. When you are being called on, just say, yes, I am. If Samuel didn't want to say, Lord, Lord, <laughs> yes, I am, he wouldn't have been appointed to that ministry. Sometimes it's just to show up. But show up consistently. Don't go missing. God has an appointment for you. He has an appointment for me. Let's not go missing. It's only the way we can carry the church through. It's only the way we can actually walk to, 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 towards that destiny. You see? Let's stop giving instruction to our friends. Let's just start obeying this instruction. Let's just start yielding and humbling ourselves before God. Let's not make any excuse for not turning up on his birthday. Let's not make any excuse for not turning up whenever he calls us. Let's not make any excuse that he only knows our need, and yes, he will bless us, and yes, he will provide. But God is saying, I want you, I need you, I want you to be there, walk with me, trust me, follow me. I want to say, Lord, yes, I respond. Draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Lord, will you just answer me? I've waited long enough. This is the prayer we make to Jesus. And he's telling you, I'm here. (laughs) I've never left. I've heard you. I will respond and I've answered. It's not now, but you will get the answer to your prayers in a few days, in a few months, in a few weeks, in a few years. But I've already got you. I've got you on my mind. I value you. I love you. I care for you. There is one of these... um, Things that is not part of the, the script or is not part of the message today. But there's something when one of my brothers in the church a couple of um, weeks ago encouraged me and I think had a word of knowledge for me. 
he spoke about the book of Ezekiel. And to the book of Ezekiel, he did mention something um, that was actually a prophetical word, you know, that I received with joy. And then I thought, you know what, the book of Ezekiel, I need to actually go through and be familiar with it. I never read the book throughout. Sometimes some of these things are, are very difficult to grasp in Ezekiel, right? But if you look at the book of Ezekiel chapter 16, if we look at the book of Ezekiel chapter 16, you don't need to open your Bible. I want to translate something in there. Is God taking us from the point where he speaks to Israel? God is telling something that has really opened my eyes. He's telling his children. Israel are the children of God. He tells his children, you know what? You were born. And then he uses scripture the way you were born and left in your blood. That's the way he uses it. You were born and were left in your blood. Nobody cut off your umbilical cord. And then he goes on, i.e., we were born and were despised and Israel was not looked after. But God said, and then I passed by. And then I saw you. And then I decided to take you, to bath you, to cut off that umbilical cord, to dress you, and to put you under beautiful apparels. That's what God is saying. God is saying he's not unaware of our tribulation. He's not unaware of the difficult situations we are in. But as a God who is a loving God, agape loving God, is sinness in our shortcomings, in our failures, in our sins, and washed us cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And bathed us and clothed us and made us look beautiful so that we could be his bride. That is what he did. And if we remember that always, the servant friend is even more meaningful for us. It is more meaningful because then we'll just go and do it. I just want to close on really something that really is, is from John 13, if we can have it on the screen, John 13, 34. From the New King James Version, a new commandment. You've heard me speaking so many times. You've heard my instructions so many times. You've heard the way I view you and I cherish you and I value you. You've heard that I've given my life to you or I'm about to go. That's the way Christ was talking to his disciples. And he said a new commandment. Why it is new is because he's going to change the whole dynamic of what you've seen before and what you have understood me to be and what you are about to go and do. A new commandment, I give this to you. He said that you love one another. That you love one another. And he says, as I have loved you. So look at my love for you as my friendship to you as a blueprint on how you should go and love other people. Of other people in your vicinity, in your church, in your neighborhood. That's another discussion, the love towards people who are yet to be in the kingdom of God. But love one another is talking to the people from the same creed, the people of God. Love one another. As I have loved you. He loved the church to bath him, to rescue it. And he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. By this, by this evidence that you love one another. By this evidence that you strengthen one another. By this evidence that you sharpen the confidence of your friend. By this evidence that you stand for truth 
fullness for righteous deed in the midst of the gathering of the children of God. By this evidence that you forgive one another, by this evidence that you move on and you press on with one accord, by this evidence that you speak and edify one another and you speak the truth and go an extra mile every single day in the life of your friend, by this evidence that when new people come to you, you see them as opportunity to be rescued by Christ, to be rescued by the power of the gospel, by these things, people will know that you are my disciple. In other words, forget the talk. Don't talk the talk, walk the walk. Do as I commanded you. It's a commandment. It's not a nice to have on our fridge, on our bedside. It's not a nice to have. It's a commandment. It's a commandment to action. It's a commandment to go. Right now, at this very time, go. Show to one another that you are my disciple. Show to one another that you care for them. Show to one another that you are worthy of being called sons and daughters of the Most High God. Show. Do it. Because I've given everything for you. That's what Christ is saying. So what kind of friend are we? I will leave it to you to answer. Christ is telling you, be that friend. Be that friend. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.